Welcome back to season three of the Product Marketing Experts podcast. Today, I'm really excited to have Jeff Hardison with me, the head of product marketing, brand, and content teams at the scheduling platform Calendly. Jeff is a seasoned product marketer, and I'm really excited to have him with me for this conversation about product-led growth and growth overall as a product marketing team. Shout out to our sponsor, Clue. That's Clue with a K the leading competitive enablement platform for product marketers who drive revenue for their business. Clue helps you collect, curate, and distribute competitive insights to enable sales and revenue teams to win more deals. Don't just compete, compete to win with Clue. Jeff, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Jeffrey. Great to be here. Thank you so much. It's such a pleasure to have you. Can you share maybe a little bit more about how you got into product marketing, a little bit about growth and, and also that combination of the brand and content role in addition to product marketing? Yeah. So, you know, initially out of college, I got a job working for an agency. It was a marketing agency and, and it works with mainly tech clients and it worked with everybody from like amazon.com to the Recording Industry Association of America, the folks that were grappling with Napster and so forth to other kinds of tech companies. And we did kind of a mixture of social media marketing and positioning messaging and PR. And it was very much kind of like a full service agency. And a lot of the work, it's funny looking back, looked like product marketing. It just wasn't called that. And eventually I ended up going to the client side. I joined a startup called Meridian that was acquired by Hewlett Packard Enterprises Aruba. And when I joined, I was the VP of marketing for this small startup, but then I joined this 2000 plus arm of Hewlett Packard Enterprise in terms of employees. And they needed to find a spot for me. And so they had me be the, the director of product marketing for this new division that was created. And that's really where I learned truly what it meant to be a product marketer. And there was several product marketers there. I had a team of folks and we ended up doing everything from customer research and position messaging work to ongoing adoption marketing, product launches, of course. And then also we served as kind of like sales engineers, if you will, flying around the world, helping salespeople close deals for this new product line that they were still learning how to talk about. So then after that, kind of have worked in both being head of marketing for smaller startups where they don't have a full marketing team yet. You're the first marketing hire to when I'm in larger companies like Calendly, I will be a product marketing leader. That makes a ton of sense. And it sounds like a really compelling role being able to fly around the world and certainly deliver the company story to, to I imagine, at least high value prospects and, and that transition into your current role today. I, I think that sounds like a really interesting transition and an interesting story for you as well. The, the background I'm sure has served you really well. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. It's interesting because product marketing is confusing to a lot of people, right? It's like, well, is it research? Is it position messaging? Is it launches? You know, do you roll up your sleeves and are you copywriters? And it's kind of all of the above. And so you can play the product marketing role as the first marketer in a small startup. You probably should be when you're trying to establish what does this product do for whom, which section of the, the market do we want to go after? How are we different competitors and so forth? Uh, I think a lot of early startup marketers do that work and they just don't know it, Right. But then you can also start to really specialize in it as the marketing team grows. And that's, it's kind of fun to, to see that transition. I totally agree. I think a lot of us 
Uh, I was having a conversation with another podcast guest as well. And, and a lot of us do kind of product marketing work before we even recognize that there is a product marketing team or, or a function called product marketing even. So it's really this kind of fascinating trend, I guess, so to speak. You've talked a, a fair amount uh, publicly about product-led growth and, and growth overall. And so I want to talk about a little bit more about that because I think it's a really hot topic right now. And so I'm curious you know, Calendly is, at least in my opinion, very well positioned, has a lot of kind of brand recognition in the scheduling space. And how are you thinking about product marketing differently in a product-led growth company versus maybe a company that's a bit more traditional, that being sales-led or, or maybe marketing-led? Yeah, it's, it's an interesting subject. And I think, I'm glad you brought it up because I don't think it's talked enough about how product marketing has changed with product-led growth. You know, one of the things I see on LinkedIn a lot, people will say like, product marketing is this new department and new discipline. And it's really hot right now. And it's, it's like product marketing has been around for, I don't know, probably more than a hundred years. It was essentially what people did as like brand managers in like Procter and Gamble and so forth. And a lot of times the product marketers kind of led these new product groups and product management wasn't always at the table like product marketing was many, many years ago. And then it became something that was part of tech companies that were sales-led, right? The Cisco's and the HP's of the world who had salespeople that were on the front lines selling these products. And that was the only way to buy was through these salespeople. And product marketing, I, I've talked to some people who were much more seasoned to me and they told me that product marketing was kind of like the demo people, right? They were specialists that understood the product. They were doing position messaging, sure, but they were joining these salespeople and doing this kind of demo work like I had to do at, at Hewlett Packard. And then I think what happened was the emergence of the self-serve business, right? Where you didn't have to talk to sales to buy from a tech company. You could try out the product for free by going to the website, signing up for free. And then you could upgrade to a paid plan with your credit card without ever talking to a salesperson. And what that did, when that started happening in SaaS, it started to attract all kinds of different people that it hadn't before. It used to be cool, you know, 20 years ago, the cool thing to do is go work for a consumer startup, not a B2B startup. A lot of the consumer marketers kind of laughed about B2B marketing, said it was like same old, very conventional, didn't change much. People just kind of copied what they did at the previous company. But when product growth really emerged five to 10 years ago, it started to attract all these consumer grade marketers because it was really doing marketing for an e-commerce company. You're trying to get people to visit the site, just like you would say at Amazon, and then have them pay with their credit card. And with that came two different masters in the company. You had these data-driven minded product managers and, and engineers and, and designers who had more of a seat at the table than they ever did before, by and large. And then on the other hand, you had this growing group of salespeople and customer success people that once the company started to grow, they would hire so that they could help close these bigger deals. And this created two different people that were in the ear of the marketing team. And what product marketing has always been good at, I don't care if it's this year or 20 years ago, product marketing has always been good at being diplomats. Usually probably the most diplomatic people in the marketing department. And what they need to do is they sit between product management, you know, engineering design, customer success, sales, marketing, and so forth, and help those teams work better together. And that can be research, that can be sales enablement, that can be launches and so forth. But really, we're kind of the glue between these departments that don't always get along. And you see that debate 
and that conflict greater today, I think, than you might have, say, 20 years ago, because it used to be that sales, together with the founders of the company, the CEO, had the biggest say, right? The sales person closing these huge deals, and it was the only way to buy, would say, hey, we need to build this thing for this customer. And product would go off and go build that. And a lot of times, if you go look at the old leadership pages on the websites 10, 15 years ago, it didn't have a product leader on the leadership team, but there was a sales leader. And now what you're seeing is that product is at the table in almost every one of these companies, and they want to have a say. It's not just the sales team. And so you've got to help really get these two teams to work well together in order for the company to you know, grow and thrive. Completely agree. Yeah. And especially as these software companies have taken the consumer first approach and the land and expand strategy to, 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 a, to a large extent, it's really become this interesting shift for a lot of product teams for first, just right out of the gate. Right. But also for a lot of product marketing teams. And, and I do all agree with you that a lot of product marketing folks are kind of catching up to that to an extent. And I mean, how do you think about the role of a PMM that's working on product-led growth with, I I imagine, the product team and and a whole bunch of others versus somebody more kind of traditional? I hesitate to say traditional because I think PMM's role is is very varied as as you and I both have experienced, but but I guess a more traditional PMM role that is more kind of sales or marketing-led. Yeah, I would say it's a good question. I think in a sales-led environment, the product marketer needs to think about who their stakeholders are, right? And so when I've been in sales-led environments, the people who are loudest in my ear are usually the executive team, of course, but the head of sales. The head of sales is saying like, hey, great, you're doing launches, wonderful, but I need someone to train my salespeople on what the product even does because we're out there actually closing deals. And in that environment, the product marketer doesn't necessarily have the product team coming to them and saying like, hey, we're also closing deals with the product. The product is, and and it's more scalable than the sales team over here. Then you have kind of a a product-led environment where the power shifts and you have the product team saying like, hey, the only way to buy, because we don't have a sales team yet, is to buy through the product. So you, you really need to help us. And we don't need help with sales enablement and training. We need help with research. We're really busy doing qualitative interviews and we want to do 50 interviews and we need help interviewing customers about what we should even be building. And then because we don't make decisions like sales-led environments sometimes do, where you just listen to the loudest voice in the room or the salesperson who just closed their last deal or they're trying to, we don't have the luxury of talking to the front lines that are out there collecting this research. We're going to go do the research. It's not going to be while we're selling the product, we're going to go interview customers about what we should build, right? And so I feel like the jobs to be done shift a lot in product-led versus sales-led. And it's because of who is kind of have the power, who's growing the revenue. Is it the product team with the product and the credit card sales, or is it the sales team and closing deals manually? Agree. Yeah. It it feels like more of a, obviously the motion is a little bit more bottoms up as as a broader go-to-market motion, but the role, I think, of a PMM in that case shifts, right? Like the messaging and positioning shifts a bit more to almost be a bit more tangible in the sense that you're likely writing messaging that is directly going into the experience itself. Whereas I do think we all as PMMs are doing that today with our product pages and the homepage and different marketing assets, but but in the product web growth, it goes into the product in addition to that, which is a really interesting transition and is a shift more so than just putting messaging in a different place. 
True. I think that's interesting. So this brings up, this is a whole nother debated area, right? In some companies, you have UX copywriting. It's kind of we call it product content. And it's these experts who write the words that you see in the product to describe the feature. It could be the tool tips. It could be writing the words in the first time user experience when you try the feature for the first time. But in some companies, that's product marketing. And in other companies, it depends on the quarter. Like one moment, it might be UX copywriting doing it. The next quarter, a product manager goes straight to product marketing. And so that, you bring up an interesting point that there's probably debate even around that on whether product marketing should own UX copywriting or it should be another team. For sure. Yeah. And product marketing is this, the way I think of it, at least is this really strategic function that I don't think we should necessarily extend down and say, what should this button be called or whatever the case may be. But I do think we can serve value in broader messaging and positioning in, in, in that case. But anyway, I want to talk more about this idea of how product-led growth, product marketing teams are different than a more traditional team. And you've had the chance to lead teams or are, are leading teams, I should say. And so I'm curious how you're thinking about structuring. And I've talked with a lot of other PMM leaders that are really curious about how do we structure a team? So based off your expertise now in doing this, how are you thinking about broadly structuring this and how is it different than a traditional PMM team? Yeah. So one of the things I recommend doing is when you join a company, whether you're starting the product marketing department for the first time or you're building on an existing one, you should go around and do a listening tour where you go interview all the product managers you're going to work with, all the sales leaders, extra points if you interview all the sellers, right? Interview the marketing team and say to them, hey, you know, what is something that in a past job or here that you liked that product marketing did for you? And what is something that wasn't as helpful? And that way you kind of draw out what they've been waiting for. Because a lot of them have just been waiting for either to be a product marketing department or for it to change. And I would use this, whether you're working in a sales-led environment or a product-led you know, self-serve environment. And use that research to figure out how you should structure the team. So I did that at Calendly. And what I learned was that we had a lot of research that was already going on in the company. There was a research department. All the product managers were very adept at interviewing customers for qualitative research. There was a good bunch of them that could do the, the in-app behavioral data research and something like motor amplitude. And so maybe there was less of a need than say Envision to do customer research and interview customers together with them. So I said, okay, maybe I don't need say like a specialist that just does research for the product marketing department. And then I talked to all the product managers and I said like, what's something you've been missing? And they said, we've been releasing all these, these features and we just want more help launching them and, and doing ongoing adoption marketing for them even after the launch. And so I saw an awesome opportunity to kind of like, we should definitely be doing launches and adoption marketing. So all of us on the team need to be able to do, be good at that. And we should probably align with the product managers who seem like they want to collaborate. And so we did the traditional on one hand, let's just have a product marker, have a good ratio with product managers for certain squads. So we have somebody that's a core scheduling product marketer that works with those product managers. We have somebody that's for enterprise plan and workflows. We have another person for like mobile app and extensions and integrations. And they have really great relationships with their, their product managers. And so that's kind of covered there. The thing that we did different that we learned from the research was that we got to more than $100 million in revenue, mostly from credit card sales. A lot of product-led growth companies, they talk about being PLG and not needing sales teams, but a lot of them add sales somewhere around like 20 million because they start to hit the ceiling of revenue just from the credit card sales. We didn't do that till much, much later. And we had this brand new sales team that was joining about the same time I was. 
And they were all accustomed to having people help them in marketing. And the marketing team wasn't accustomed to doing that. They were more of a product-led team, trying to get people to visit the site and so on and so forth. And so I thought maybe we should really like carve out a, a person that all they do is, is work with the sales team and then eventually it was the customer success team. And they're going to help train these folks together with the sales enablement team on products and, and launches and so forth. And they're also going to roll their sleeves and create all that content that salespeople always ask product marketers for, but oftentimes gets you know put on the back burner for other things. This person is just going to do that. And th this person, Heather at our company, does an amazing job of it, has wonderful relationships with sales and CS. And what they did for the other product marketers was to produce the conflict that can happen when salespeople feel like marketing is not listening to them. So we have a combination of these product-focused product marketers, and then we have a person that's completely dedicated to working with sales and CS. That makes a ton of sense. And the specialization, I guess, if that's a fair word, feels like a really great avenue to give not only your team, product marketing, and the broader company, of course, as well, this really great growth path and individuals that they can build relationships with and, and grow with as well. Yeah. And if I would have, you know, for example, in vision, if I could have structured that differently, going back in time at another place I worked, I would have probably done something different where I would have had a research focused product marketer. There would have been these product marketers that are focused on their product managers. And then there'd be one person that all they do is help with like market research and qualitative research and quantitative research. Cause there was such a need for that in the product department there, because they didn't have their own large research team that Calendly has comparatively. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I've seen certainly a lot of product marketing teams spin up uh, kind of a research arm, I guess, for, for lack of a better way of phrasing that. And also product teams spinning up this UX research arm. I, I spent a number of years at HubSpot and HubSpot had both. The product marketing team there had a dedicated market research function that did a, a ton of market surveys. And those market surveys turned into not only really interesting and, and helpful content for the product marketing team to define positioning, messaging, and so forth, but they also turned into core content like quote unquote state of marketing type report, right? Versus the UX research team did more like deep research on user trends and behaviors, how people actually interacted with the software itself and so forth that product marketing wasn't doing. And so I think that value can really largely be there one or the other ways. But it is really interesting to see that trend spin up. And, and it's definitely something I'm looking to do with, with my team here at Iterable as well, is, is start that research function. Yeah. Have you thought of any downsides to having dedicated research? Have you seen any downsides to that where the product marketer doesn't have to do it as part of their stack of things to do? The, the primary downside that I've seen is really based off stage and scale of, of mm -hmm. company. If you're choosing to have a researcher come in when your core PMM team is already treading water, mm -hmm. so to speak, then that can be a challenge for your core PMM team, right? Because they need more operators, so to speak, to help share the, the load and the bandwidth. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's less so about like, I, I don't think anybody would say there's a downside to having market research, or at least I hope not, <laughs> but <laughs> it's more so a conversation about size and, and scale of company that you bring that role in at and yeah. what the, I, I guess, demand, so to speak, for product marketing is at that point. Mm -hmm. And I would say the secondary piece here is 
how you justify it with the executive team. What will that research fundamentally drive and impact beyond just, of course, messaging and positioning, but what tangible line items will that research impact right. down the road? The only thing that's kind of kept me from doing more of this specialization structuring is that I tend to prefer hiring and fostering product marketers who are the full stack, if you will, product marketer, where they're, they're at least B to A on research, precision messaging, rolling up their sleeves and writing for adoption marketing, being able to work with the sales team and CS team and train them and be able to do launches. And like that, it's a really complicated skill set group to find in one person, right? It's kind of like the unicorn product marketer. And I worried at times if I were to break this out more, as I've seen other product marketing departments do it, that those skills would atrophy in those product marketers and they wouldn't be um, stretched to stay on top of, for example, sales enablement or stay on top of their research skills, or they might lose kind of touch with the voice of the customer work that I think is just important to do, right? Have you ever thought about that? Yeah, it, it, it's a great point. And, and I think the balance there from what I've seen is that the market research function shouldn't necessarily replace the voice of customer work for a specific product group or functional area or whatever the case may be within your, your product marketing team, but that the market research function should be driving broader market research in order so that more generalist PMM doesn't atrophy that skill set, right? Yeah. In, in my experience, the market research team at HubSpot did a lot of research on the broader state of marketing, but every time we, we rolled out a feature for Marketing Hub, I still went and I talked to a bunch of different customers before it obviously rolled out about the beta or using it or the problem or the opportunity or, or whatever the case may be. And, and I think that balance was a fairly good one to strike. It's, it's not to say that got it perfect. There were certainly some challenges with it, but mm -hmm. to your point, I wholly agree with your point which is as product marketers, we can't let that atrophy because at the end of the day, if we're not connected to the market, then none of this other stuff matters. Yeah, that's a great point. So what one thing that we have talked a bit more about with research and specialization is like, how have you drawn the line between what sort of asks your team is supporting versus others in marketing or product development around growth or core product marketing asks, especially at a growing company like Talently. I think drawing those boundaries is exceptionally difficult. So I'm curious how you've thought about that. Yeah. Like where we kind of say no, or we push back or. Exactly. Um, yep. Yeah. It's tough, right? I think a lot of product marketers, we're always trying to look for the definition of product marketing and we're all kind of creating different definitions other than the dictionary one, if there is one. And for me, I think good product marketing teams fill in gaps that they year after year, quarter after quarter, they get curious, they talk to customers, but they also talk to stakeholders and other teams. And they say, I see you lost your research department. Would you like some help there? We're kind of uh, well-rounded people. We can jump in and do some research for you. Or, hey, I see you don't have a sales enablement department yet, sales leaders. Would you like help with that? And I think that product marketers, when they get themselves in trouble is when they get too proud and they want to put up barriers and say like, oh, sorry, we don't do that. We really should be doing whatever advances the business and, and brings people together. And I think part of that is filling in gaps. So the more I do this, the more I realize that I should not put up barriers that much and figure out what's a good compromise. So it might be like, hey, we can't handle competitive research, qualitative research, and quantitative research for you, product team, but we 
can do like a sprint around just competitive right now, because it seems like that's your biggest need. And it's figuring out the like, yes, and answer for folks. But one of the things I've seen that helps keep from there being scope creep and things changing mid quarter is I like to do that listening to her um, again. I mentioned I do that at the beginning when I joined. I also like to do that every quarter and I'll talk to various leaders in sales, marketing product and say like, Hey, these were the things we did for you last quarter. What did you like? What did you not like? And is there anything new that you're thinking of? And try to get ahead of it with them, what their research asks, their you know, competitive asks, their launch asks, all that before the quarter starts, and then do shared OKRs with these different departments that we know in advance so that they're not just springing this idea like, hey, we need to do 100 win-loss interviews, and they tell us mid-quarter, and it wasn't something that was part of our OKR planning. So doing that extra kind of listening to her work every quarter helps set expectations and get people to plan, right? And not come to you with step last minute, which I find is more disruptive than them having asks. For sure. I love that idea of a listening tour every quarter. It really is impactful in the way that I imagine you prioritize. And, and if it's okay, Jeff, it feels like to paraphrase a little bit of what you mentioned, it sounds like rather than drawing boundaries around the work that you and the product marketing team are doing, you ensure to prioritize the right things within that quarter or, or within your kind of respective roadmap. Curious how you think about, and I imagine some of it comes from the listening tour, but curious how you think about that prioritization. In terms of how am I doing it currently? Yeah. Um, so- yeah. How do you think about prioritizing the right things to ensure that both obviously yourself, as well as the broader product marketing team, your brand team and, and your content team are focused on the right things? Yeah. So I try to look at, it's kind of a combination between being curious and co-shaping the department with product leaders, sales leaders, marketing leaders, right? Letting them weigh in. If they're part of the co-creation, you're probably gonna have a better, you know, structure for your team and what you're doing anyway, because two heads are often better than one in these things. And then also they feel more invested in what you're doing. And so like, if if you don't go ask sales what you should work on, they're going to cause you more problems than if you just kind of ask them and make them a co-creator of that. We're humans and we have egos and they need to be (laughs) listened to. So there's that. So sometimes it's not necessarily what I would have chosen to do, but I want to be curious and let go of my ego and co-create this with somebody, right? Two, I try to look at like, what are the business metrics we're trying to impact? And sometimes I'll ratchet up and down the things that they're asking us to do. So for example, one of the things we did back in May was we had all this product-led growth as a company at Cali. We had more than two-thirds of our revenue came from credit card sales that didn't require salespeople. And so we were adding the enterprise plan that did require salespeople. So in a, to buy this enterprise plan with like skim and SSO and all these like admin features and security features, you had to talk to a salesperson and these salespeople were new. And so I thought to myself, well... One of the metrics we need to impact is not just leads for this enterprise plan, but also we need to ensure that the salespeople like these leads so that they're sales qualified opportunities. And then we need to make sure that it's a short sales cycle, as short as it can be. So there's things we can do to help with that. We need to help ensure win rate and then expansion. So let's say that Calendly is used in a marketing department. Let's see if we can help raise awareness for what Calendly can do for the recruiting departments and the sales departments so they can expand the deal. And so really that first quarter I joined, I was thinking mostly about how to help this company for the first time go up market and build the next tremendous amount of revenue that was going to include the sales assistant opportunities. Now that I've got that kind of humming along, I'm like, but I need to look a little bit 
more closely at the product-led side of the business, right? What are things that we can do to impact people visiting the site? And then what can we do to help them sign up for free? And then what can we do to get them to pay with their credit card, premium plan, pro plan? Then what can we do to get them to retain and not churn? And those are all kinds of things I can do. I can do lifecycle marketing where I think through like, okay, where's the friction in how someone signs up on our site? What do they see in the first time user experience? Well, let me go work with the growth team on that and product content, which is like our UX team, UX copywriting team around that. And then what are the first five emails they receive? And are these working? Are people activating? Should I be testing other emails versus those? Should I do persona-based email drip sequence for salespeople versus recruiting people, right? And then how are we doing in terms of upgrades? Are we generating as much revenue as we could from people upgrading to pro with their credit card? Or are they not? Are they just staying on the free plan forever? Should I do some education around that? So it's kind of thinking about what the company needs most and then either doing picking one or having to do both at the same time. That's where we are right now is I'm trying to think about how do I continue to help this company be this shining example of product-led growth while also going up markets like many product-led growth companies would have multi-millions of dollars before. There's so much insight and, and wisdom in, in everything you just said, Jeff. So <laughs> it really was incredible. And at minimum that the audience really takes away so much from that because it's just a really impactful strategy and, and curiosity. I get the question, I don't know exactly how often, but let's just say a few times per week about what are some key traits that I think are important to product marketers and curiosity is always on that list. And, and mm-hmm. you just kind of with that answer. And it's a great way of framing not only what individuals are doing, but the broader team is really focused on in the strategy behind the team as well. So that was really incredible. Thank you. Appreciate that. As you take that one step further to implementing that strategy and, and as you mentioned, going up market, how do you think about driving some of that adoption, whether it's user adoption or sales adoption of enablement materials or whatever the case may be. Yeah. So one of the things that we talk about at Connelly a lot is this idea of two funnels. You've got the self-serve product-led growth funnel, visit site, signs up for free, conducts one meeting, activates, does like five meetings, upgrades a credit card. There's that funnel. And there's marketing stuff you can do to drive that many product-led growth marketers do. And then you've got the sales side of the funnel where it's like, Okay, certain people, an IT person in one of our bigger accounts, like a Slack, they they already know people are using Calendly at their company in like a self-serve credit card-y way. Let's get them to talk to sales so they can learn about all of our enterprise features and eventually bring in all of those people into one big company account. And and then it's it's more of an enterprise account. And so a lot of the stuff on the enterprise marketing side is the traditional conventional marketing that marketers have been doing for years for sales-led companies. It's things like webinars with all of the IT people that have seats, the company or or their perspective about say the enterprise plan and the value of upgrading to enterprise. It could be webinars with customers talking as like, hey, you know, we had a bunch of just freemium seats with Calendly, but we decided to upgrade to the enterprise plan and the value of that. It's training the sales team on how to talk about enterprise. Hey, sales team, we've got the product-led growth product over here. And you need to learn that story, like how to build your schedule and how to connect your calendar, because that's part of the greater story. But you also need to learn a lot about these technical things like single sign-on and and skim and and all these things you might not know about and helping them tell those stories and and when do they tell it to who, right? And then it's helping think through like, are there certain materials that we can arm them with 
to help them shorten sales cycle. Like it could be a case study or an ROI study. These are all things that product marketers and marketing teams have been helping sales companies for decades with. And what's funny is that it sometimes takes some work to convince a product growth company to do that stuff because they're like, oh, that's the kind of old school stuff that we thought we didn't have to do here. And it's like, you didn't have to do it. You, you were able to do kind of more product-led growth style marketing, but now you've added the sales team and you got to help them. Otherwise, they'll just be sitting around here twiddling their thumbs or failing to close deals. And we're all just trying to grow the revenue of this company. We want to make this a very successful company and help customers and help each other. And so I think a good product market and a product growth company that goes up market one of the things you have to do is be a champion for all the different stakeholders in the business. You got to help the product and engineering design team learn how to listen to these salespeople and customer success people that they've never maybe had to listen to before. Hey, they're going to have feature ideas for you. They're going to comment on the product. They're going to wonder why we don't have this feature or that. And, and you've got to, and you help kind of mentor them together with mentoring yourself because <laughs> it's a daily negotiation on how to like, Listen to this new stakeholder. And I think product marketers are really good. Again, the best product marketers are pretty good at diplomacy, even if it's hard for them. And you can also help the sales team listen to product and be like, hey, I know in your last company, you worked for a sales led company where you all had the loudest voice in the room and you asked for some feature and it was only for one customer and everybody built it. But in this company, it's not done that way. In this company, data drives decisions. If we have a certain amount of qualitative research that suggests that we should build it, if we're seeing in surveys that we should build it, if we're looking at the in that behavioral data, we notice that no one's using a feature, we sunset it. That's how things were done here. And that's how we got to this amazing amount of revenue that is being celebrated in the industry. You got to respect them too. And product markers, again, I think they're really should in these environments, we have to not only do the product marketing work, research, launches, et cetera, but we got to do that diplomacy work too, or the whole thing will fall apart. Totally agree. Yeah. We have to be that, that cross-functional glue at the end of the day. And that's just so important. And as we look to starting to wrap up here, one question I'm asking every guest this season is, I think we all certainly as leaders learn from other leaders and, and mentors and colleagues we've had throughout our career, but is there a lesson or, or something that maybe a colleague, mentor, or manager has maybe taught you that served you well in your career? And if so, could you share a little bit about it? Yeah. You know, I worked to help relaunch Amazon Web Services with who's currently the, I think he's the SVP of communications for Amazon, Drew Herdner. And he would start every meeting with where we go around and we would celebrate something that we think went really well and something that didn't go so well, highs and lows. And a lot of companies do that. And, but it was the first time that I did it because before that, a lot of clients I worked for and colleagues when I was in the agency world, just celebrated the things they did well. And they tried to like, obfuscate or ignore the things that went wrong. And it really taught me to be more open about failures and state them openly and feel safe to do it and not be worried I'm gonna get fired because that's something I suggested we did didn't work so well. And there's a lot of talk about celebrating failures these days and fail fast and all that, but to have a leader, a client mandate that we do that was really important to me. And, and I try to do it to this day. So if you talk to the people I work with, I'll, we'll often go around and do highs and lows. And sometimes it takes up a lot of time, but it gives everybody a voice to celebrate something and also admit where something didn't go so well. And we all get really comfortable with being vulnerable like that. For sure. And, and that sense of comfort and, and vulnerability on your team and, and trust as well is, is critically important to, to successful growth as well. So that's an incredible lesson that's 
you got to learn from what sounds like an incredible leader at, at Amazon. And thank you for sharing with me and the audience as well. Absolutely. Jeff, it's been a pleasure to have this conversation with you and have you on the Product Marketing Experts podcast. Any final words you want to share on maybe where people could find you or content you're publishing on online? Yeah, I would love everybody to be my friend on LinkedIn. Just look up Jeff Hardison Cowley and you should find me. Need more friends there. And you can find there some links to various talks I've done and writing around product-led growth and how product marketing can help with it. Thank you so much, Jeff. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot for having me, Jeffrey. It's been awesome. Stay in the know about your competitive landscape with Clue. Share real-time insights across your organization with Clue's dynamic battle cards, delivered everywhere your sales reps live, through integrations with Salesforce, Slack, Highspot, and many more. With Clue, you'll never let your sales team be blindsided by competitors again. Crush your competition with Clue.